0: Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popowitch Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Wood on News Talk 770. Welcome back. You're here with David Faisal on News Talk 770 and more than money. Uh, I bet there's going to be a lot of traveling going on over the next little while. A little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's the holiday season. Are you traveling
1: for Christmas? Uh, no. You're no, not town? this year.
0: Well, I shouldn't say that. I am traveling, but I'm going to be driving to Edmonton to see my family.
1: All right. So all you people listening from Edmonton, stay off the sidewalks. <laughs> Dave will be driving in your city.
0: <laughs> They've got these these cars now that basically drive themselves, Faisal. It's, it's, even guys like me can you drive. You
1: don't own one of those, so put <laughs> 10 and 2. Keep your hands at 10 and 2. 10
0: and 2 it is. <laughs> um, you know, but people will be uh, yeah, flying. Uh, lots of people will be flying. We've heard some horror stories mm-hmm. uh, over the last little while about that. So then there's often stress just because there's so many people traveling at this time of the year right so we thought it'd be kind of fun to do a segment and talk a little bit about how the airline industry is changing yeah. right for the good for the worse. you know what we can expect to see in the future low-cost airlines those kinds of things and we've got uh, dr barry prentice he's a professor of transportation economics at the ih asper school of business at the university of manitoba uh professor welcome to the show well thank you very much so I, I think we should start with this, this, the horror stories, I guess, that we've heard. And there's been a few, you know, people being trapped on planes for hours. And, of course, we've had people dragged off the airplane for various reasons. You know, we've heard of all of these things. Um, and this has all sort of sparked a conversation around a passenger bill of rights. Maybe we could start there. Tell us a little bit about what that means. Well, I guess, you know, a passenger
2: bill of rights really is setting out what our the expectations that passengers can have if something goes wrong, because obviously we don't need that if everything works well. But once in a while, things do go astray. And, you know, one of the latest ones, of course, was the uh, air transat, uh, sitting at the Mm -hmm. tarmac for hours on end with people stuck inside, and after a very long journey from from Europe, jet-lagged and hungry and, and, you know, whatever. Yep and then not being able to get out and walk around. Well, the government, uh, and it's through the Canadian Transportation Agency, which actually does uh, these sort of rulings and regulations, uh, they basically came down with a, a fine for Air Transat today of uh, some $295,000 and also uh, rec- an order that they have to compensate passengers and and also move to start training their uh, their people. So, you know, when things like this happen, what they're supposed to do. So I'd say that the... The government is moving in the right direction in terms of passengers on airlines, and, and this is just part of that so-called bill.
0: So, yeah, okay. Where, so where do we stand on, on this Bill of Rights? Is, it, is this an evolution now? or uh, I think so. I mean, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure whether the government will ever come forward
2: with an absolute thing called the Bill of Rights. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit uh, uh, bit much of a, of a title, but I think what it comes down to is that here are the expectations, And how do we get treated fairly? Because obviously there's a huge difference in power between an individual passenger and a whole airline Mm -hmm. and what they can do. And, you know, there has to be respect on both sides. And, And certainly passengers have had to face more scrutiny getting on and what they can carry and what they can do and so on. So it, it works both ways, and and this really is uh, trying to set that that level playing field, I guess.
1: So, professor, do you do you not think that maybe just opening up the industry and having more competition will avoid some of these problems? Because if one company is, is is allowing people to sit on a tarmac for six hours or so. Another company doesn't do that. They can promote themselves. No different than when when we had cancellation flights. There was one airline company here in Cal- Calgary that said, hey, we don't have these type of problems. You should come, you know, um, become our customer. Why, why not just open up the competition to prevent these types of issues or to allow the consumer to move between one company to another?
2: Well, I think the competition is open. And indeed, anybody who wants to start up an airline is welcome to do that. And and there are two companies, well, Flair, which has started up, and and Jetlines, which is uh, coming on board, supposedly in the spring, and and another one that is in the wings that may come in. So we have these ultra-low-cost carriers that are coming in to challenge the market. But I think the the bigger point is what we're talking about, the the media itself. When you see people getting dragged off an airplane, you might say to yourself, "Mm, maybe not the kind of airline I want to fly with, or or the one that leaves you stuck on the tarmac. So, in fact, the social media is so strong these days that this kind of information gets out very quickly, and, and companies do get the effects, and, and they do have to avoid these situations. So I think the system is working.
0: Let's talk about that, um, the the low-cost, the ultra-low-cost airline. I mean, the airline industry and air travel in particular has really changed over the past um 15, 20 years. And mm-hmm. now, you know, we're yeah. at this point where uh, consumers yeah. seem to want or have an appetite for this ultra low cost option. And then we kind of build it piece by piece, whatever you want, right? Yeah. So I, I, I'm interested to know, sort of from your, your macro take, um, you know, what can we expect for travel in the new year?
2: Well, I think in the, certainly in the spring, I think there will be more options and competition. But you have to recognize that, these ultra low cost carriers are coming in with five or six airplanes, and it, that's not going to make a huge dent in the total amount of travel that's out there. Yeah. But what it will do is it will force the other incumbent airlines like WestJet and Air Canada to respond. Air Canada's uh, sort of taken a wait and see approach, but WestJet has been very active. They've they're developing their own in I don't know really call it in house, but it's a separate uh, ultra low cost option of their own. Uh, They're going to try and compete directly, which is, you know, in business strategy, when you have a a new entrant, the incumbent tries to uh, push them back out again as fast as they can because they don't want to share the market with them, but I don't think it's going to work. I think uh, ultimately uh, we're going to see the ultra-low-cost carriers, but I don't necessarily see them getting that large, And, and I say that because uh they really are serving the kinds of markets like Hamilton and and uh, Abbotsford and yep. other places that don't have the kind of service that we normally have i don't think they're going to be flying Calgary, Toronto anytime soon.
1: And Professor, do you really think this is a low-cost carrier or this is just the, uh, the skinny version of flying? And then if you want to wear two pairs of shoes and, and a carry-on and maybe even have a drink, like a, you know, maybe a beverage on the, on the flight, you have to pay like $700 more. <laughs> and so you're paying the same flight as if you're in a business class of another airline anyway. So what's the, is it really truly low cost or is this just a, a fly per, per, for an, an individual? Different and if price, you want anything yeah. else on top of that, you're, you're bundling up and paying more.
2: Well, you're exactly right, and and it is, you know, if if you're if you're happy to to go with the bare bare minimum, then you can fly at that price. But if you have anything, you know, even a carry on bag and things that we're yeah. used to, <laughs> uh, you're starting to pay from. I recall uh, being in in England uh, a few years ago, and there was a, one of the airlines there uh, does this sort of thing, and I remember how irate a passenger was because they they were going to check a bag, it was costing them much more than their actual travel was. Yeah. And so sometimes these sorts of programs, I think, backfire, because people will try them, but then if they realize that, you know, the total cost is a lot more, maybe they won't bother with that, because...
1: that's my point, Professor, because I've traveled with, with Dave here, and, and, and it's, first of all, it's not fun. Second of all, um, he, he's kind of went around the back door on this whole concept of paying for a checked bag. He just brings his suitcase as his, quote-unquote, carry-on. It weighs about 700 pounds. No one checks it. And then when they, at the very end, when they say, okay, we've got too many people with too many bags on, on the overhead, we'll let you check your bag for free. And Mr. Pop, which sprints like he's, you know, an Olympian, right the front dropping his bag to get a free check bag in there, and, and that's just the, the that's the whole the whole concept has now been, um, you know, I think it, it's been useless because we should just stick to if you if you just check the bag. It is, I don't understand how the weight's different from above your head and then below your feet. It's the same plane, so just check the bag and let's get our flight on and let's get on time and and prevent Dave Popovich from doing stuff like this, right?
2: Well, what you're talking about is what we would, we would refer to as gaming the system. And a certain number of people can do that and, and get away with it, but and and it's a real problem for the airlines because on the one side, anything they charge for that bag goes right to the bottom line. That's, that's just extra money in their pockets, and so they love that. But they also have to deal with the issue of customer service and keeping people happy. So you know there is that trade-off of of how much you become the the, the Gestapo at the gate? You know, defining mm-hmm. people's bags and turning people away or, or causing. Problems versus how much revenue you can get—it's a fine line, and uh, I pre- personally I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, I think that you know incorporating the the cost of whatever that bag is into the fare is, is a better deal for everybody, helps people get on and off the airplanes. But you know again, this is one of their policies, and it seems to have worked for them in terms
0: of revenue. But it, it's also you know this this model also exists because customers are asking for it. Right there, companies aren't just coming out with this for the sake of coming out with it. Really, a customer yes. asked, "I want my free bag," and then it if I can't, it has changed
1: over twenty years. Absolutely, I think it's a cash grab, my friend. It has changed. We're People gonna want l-
0: that initial low price, right? That's what they want to see. That's how consumers buy these days. So I, I, I agree, it'll swing back at some point. You're always, you're going to pay the same price, one way or another. The plane still costs a certain amount of dollars to fly. Correct, and they need to make a certain amount of profit. And so now it's just to figure out, you know. How is Faisal going to pay for this ticket today, right? How do we get that seven hundred bucks <laughs> out of them? Well, we'll charge him eight bucks for the, to the fly flight from Calgary then, so, to Edmonton. You know, seven hundred dollars. Seven hundred bucks yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's interesting <laughs> to see the response to that. Listen, we could talk about this longer and have some some more fun with that. But uh, I want to thank you for joining us and shedding some light on this whole notion of Bill of Rights and uh, and what we see happening in the new year. It was my pleasure. And bye for now. We've been joined by Dr. Barry Prentice. He's a professor of transportation economics at the I.H. Asper School of Business at the University of Manitoba. Before we sign off here, we <clears throat> we got to talk a little bit about, uh, about um, how to build travel, whatever the end cost is going to be, whatever the cost of that flight is, into your plan <laughs> yeah. if that, in fact, is part of what you want to do so in retirement. So one
1: thing we've been talking about this whole segment has been just how, transparency. Mm. Tell me how it's going to work. How What do I have to pay? And how do, I, how do I get to my destination? And people think retirement is a destination. So we're going to talk about that, the full transparency, the overall portfolio, and how do you profit and protect in these types of markets on Tuesday, January 23rd, 7pm, at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seats, so give us a call. At 966-8400, that's 966-8400, or go to our website at morethemoneyradio.com.
0: After the break, we're going to talk about the age of retirement and what the right number is from a government financial perspective is. It's on stock 770 and More Than Money.